Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. Hmm. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. Honestly, no, I don't hope you're doing well. I hope you are thriving. I really do. I hope you're thriving. I hope you're doing fucking amazing, that you're having a great day, that you're having a great life, that you feel good in every area of your being. And the reason I say that is because I've spent a lot of time recently contemplating healing versus thriving. I have been deeply immersed in this healing cycle, this healing phase of my life. I mean, I feel like most of my adult life I have been healing from or trying to heal from or looking to heal from something. And I kind of have bypassed or forgotten that there is a second phase that comes after healing. When we're done healing, we get to thrive, right? When we're not fixated on or kind of stuck in this cycle of having to heal from something major, whether it's healing emotionally from something traumatic and really challenging or healing from our childhoods or healing physically the way I have been physically healing my health from having lived with toxic mold for a long time. There's hopefully an end point to that journey of healing, right? Hopefully where we get to transition from that healing cycle and go into the thriving cycle where we're no longer trying to get to a neutral place, right? We're not going from a negative or from a low place to feeling okay, but where we can feel fucking great, right? Where we're not working to heal anymore, but where we actually feel whole and we can start feeling amazing and we can thrive and get creative and have this sense of incredible health and I don't know. I just feel, (laughs) and maybe you feel the same way. I feel like I want to be done healing now and I want to transition into thriving. And I know that's not something you can just snap your fingers and do, right? Especially because healing probably doesn't have an end destination and we're all 
most likely going to be continuously healing from something all the time. And when we're done healing from one big thing, life is going to continue bringing us reasons and things to continue healing from. Like I get that. That's just life. But I had this realization this week where where I just realized I don't want to spend the rest of my life in the healing phase. I want to thrive. I want to wake up in the morning feeling really, really good, right? I want to be able to tap into that creative energy inside where I can create for the sake of joy, right? Where I feel like I really belong in this world where I'm not trying to fix something that's broken inside of me anymore, but where I actually get to thrive in my life. And I wish the same for you. And I I feel like just the fact that I'm contemplating this right now means that maybe I'm on my way there. Um, I don't feel like I'm there yet. I definitely feel like I'm in deep in this healing cycle still. But I am excited to focus a little bit more on the idea of thriving in my life, which I know, which I know is is on its way. And maybe it's 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 on its way for you too. So The reason I'm sharing that is because today on the episode of this show, I am going to talk about mold again. (laughs) And some of you might be like, no, not another mold episode. I know we have had enough mold episodes on this show to hold us over for a long time. But the reason I want to talk about mold is... So if you're new to this show, if you happen to just drop in, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. But in case, in case you don't know, I discovered in March of this year that we had uh, toxic mold all over our house and we'd been living in a home riddled with mold for about eight years and that this was the reason for all the many, many health issues that me and my daughter and also my husband had been dealing with for years And overnight, we lost kind of all of our belongings. Um, We lost our home, not in the sense that the home disappeared and it's not there anymore, but we had to leave our home and try to figure out what to do. And it's been a lot of months. I mean, this was March. Now it's August. And we are still between homes. We've been Airbnb hopping for almost half a year. We still don't really know what we're doing with our lives or where to permanently live. So it's not like I'm on the other end of everything. And now let me tell you my big epiphany about about mold. No, but what has shifted is I feel like I have a lot of objectivity now. I've had a lot of space. Every other episode on this show I've recorded that has touched on or where I've shared any part of our mold journey has been very, very emotional, right? Because I was sharing from the midst of that trauma, like in it. And now I feel I feel really grounded. I feel like I have enough space around the situation that I can share the story in a more objective way. And I have gathered enough resources that I can actually answer some questions around what's been really helpful for us. Because I mean, to this day, it is the most asked question I get constantly all the time. People are asking me what to do if you realize you have mold in your house or you're fearing or worrying or wondering or maybe you have a nudge that you are suffering from something that relates to mold illness or you live with a little bit of mold is that bad should you be freaking out and what about your belongings and what about your health and how do you detox and just a bunch of questions and I would love to record one very comprehensive hopefully episode (laughs) that can actually guide and help support people that are in a similar journey 
So if you don't want to listen to this, then dude, I have so many episodes, you can skip and hop to another one. That's okay. But I want to really touch on environmental health in terms of our the health of our home, which is such an important thing that I had completely bypassed because I didn't know how important it was. Um, so I really want to talk about that. And I want to I'm going to share a bit of our health journey as well, or a big piece of our health journey as well how I've been detoxing for the, for the past few months, how my daughter is detoxing, what's going on, what kind of protocol we're using and the status of our home and some resources for you to go to as well. Okay. So I use social media to ask uh, questions and I received thousands and thousands of questions. I couldn't even look through them all because there were so many. So I spent about 30 minutes looking through as many as I could and I've compiled a really solid list of questions people were asking again and again. So those that feel the most urgent and kind of the most comprehensive as well. Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with our signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. So to kind of recap a little bit, <laughs> just to recap this joyful time of our lives, I have been sick on and off for many, many years. We uh, have have a home in Aruba where we've lived since, well, I've lived since 2010. My husband is from Aruba. He's lived there his whole life. And we've been in this home since 2013. So that's eight years we've been in our house. And for the past years, I was trying to think the other day, like how much time did I actually spend with noticeable symptoms? Like I was really trying to figure out a timeline. When did I get my first real clear symptom of mold illness. And it's a really hard thing to define, right? Because you can actually live in a moldy environment for a long time and not feel a lot. And actually, maybe it's not damaging you or detrimental to your health. It all depends on your own body, your own health and your own well-being. And most importantly, it depends on your own ability to detox things from your body. So if you have detox pathways that are open, meaning you're sweating toxins out every day, you're pooping toxins out every day, you're peeing toxins out, like you're getting rid of through the natural functions of the body, you're detoxing, like your liver is working really great. Then toxins are going into your system if you're living with mold, but they're also going out. 
right? And that is how people can live with a bit of mold and be fine. It's like they have a functioning body that's fine, that's working well. However, there's a limit to that, which I really know now is what's happened to us, right? So there's a limit to how long you can live in a really toxic environment before your body starts getting depleted. It depends on your lifestyle, of course. It depends on how healthy you are and how much, how, how well you're taking care of yourself in terms of nutrition and exercise and sleep and stress and all these things play a major role in, in, in the outcome of this. So there's no like one size fits all in terms of how you are going to react to mold or, you know, clear answer. I can tell you exactly what you should be doing, right, with your specific scenario. I'm going to share as much of the helpful things that I've figured out for myself. So what I feel really clear about right now is that up until I gave birth, which was in March of 2017, I was living a healthy enough lifestyle and also not spending a ton of time in our home where the toxic mold that was present in our home didn't affect me all that much. And the reason to that is, of course, I had limited exposure to the mold because we were traveling a ton. We spent pretty much, I think we spent more time on the road, traveling, touring, teaching, retreats, things like that, than we did actually at home. So the exposure is a huge thing. And this goes for your house too, right? So say you have a bit of mold in the attic and that attic is a closed space. Like how much time are you spending exposed to that mold in the attic? That's a lesser issue versus you have a big patch of mold behind your bed, right? And you're spending like 10 hours a day exposed to that mold and breathing in the mycotoxins released from that mold. That is a bigger issue, right? So exposure is a big thing. And because those years I was spending less time at home, I wasn't as exposed. And also I was healthy, right? I think I had absolutely functioning detox pathways, which is such a huge thing. And I'm throwing that term around like it's something everyone knows about. <laughs> I had no idea what a detox pathway was, you know, a couple of years ago or, or even a year ago. But I did. So I think I had a really strong ability to detox whatever mold was present in our syst- in my system through living in this house, right? And of course, we didn't know it at the time, but we had mold in different areas of our house. Like it kind of feels like it's the entire house, Pretty much. I mean, I'm trying to think of an area where we we don't know if there if there was mold or not. But the biggest biggest issue was that we had mold all inside these. What do you call them? It's like a structured blackout device thing that was like a built-in fixture around our windows in our bedroom. Um, where we had complete blackouts because I can only sleep if it's pitch black. Like I'm one of those annoying people that can't sleep with a little bit of light. And then right above our bedroom, we had exposed cinder block that wasn't actually sealed from the previous owners of the house that added a floor to the house, but it wasn't done very well. It was really patchy and kind of a botched job. So whenever it rained, it actually would rain into the house and we had leaks in several places. And one of the areas where we had a leak was right above where these fixtures were for the blinds. So we had mold growing inside of these fixtures and it wasn't visible to the naked eye at all. He literally had to break open the fixtures and look on the other side where no one ever where, where no one ever was to see the mold. So we never knew it was there. We couldn't see it, but I was sleeping and I'm in my side of the bed. I don't know if this matters at all, probably not, but my side of the bed is right next to the blind, right? So I was sleeping like 15, 20 centimeters away from this massive growth of mold. And we also had an AC unit. We had to have these 
AC fixtures, which are super common in this part of the world. Every single house, every friend I know, I mean, there's not a single person I know that doesn't have this kind of fixture, kind of AC in their in their home because it's a million degrees outside. You can't sleep without an AC. It's not possible. So we had one that was really inconveniently placed and it was blowing directly into these blinds where there was condensation being created. So it was like several factors leading to this massive mold growth. And we also had a bunch of leaks in the house because the roof was shit. And uh, we had leaking ACs, like an AC would leak into the wall. And we didn't know until we could see like, oh my God, wait, it looks like there's like a patch of, of something leaking here. You know, we could see water damage and then we would fix the AC. But because we never saw any mold growth, I never, I, I mean, I, I ne- would never have known that there was mold inside that wall or mold hiding behind like the little, it's like my, all my English has gone today. The little fixtures that lie on the, the molding, thank you very much, the molding that connects the wall to the floor, which was all wood all over our house. There was mold hiding behind all of those things. And it was never visible. We couldn't see it, right? So I didn't know and um, was feeling fine living with all this stuff up until about, yeah, but until about I gave birth, which was 2017. And now I have learned so much about nutrition. I have learned so much about health. I know now that when you are postpartum, like when you've given birth, you need so much support, right? It is so depleting. I mean, you can just imagine it's so depleting for the body to be pregnant for like nine or 10 months and then go through this huge experience of giving birth. And then you're breastfeeding, literally providing nutrition to an entire human being through your own body. Like it's so depleting and you need so much support, not only in form of emotional, mental, you know, support, making sure that you're sleeping, which of course you don't when you have a newborn, Um, making sure that you don't have stress, that you feel held, that you feel supported, but also nutritional support. There's a lot of really, really, really specific needs that you have postpartum to replenish yourself after having gone through that entire ordeal. And I didn't do any of this. I didn't even Really, after giving birth, take a beat. I just dove right back into work with a newborn baby, you know, strapped to my chest, (laughs) not sleeping, continuing the way I had before. So even if I'd had this very calm, stress-free environment to replenish myself, I probably still would have been really depleted. And it wasn't until I was postpartum that I started feeling real symptoms that I know now are this combination of stress, lack of sleep, and toxins building up inside of my body. So end of 2017, after having had this really overwhelming year, and of course, at the same time, spending more time in the house, which we, you know, we didn't travel the same, we were home with the baby, I started getting a runny nose. Right? That was like when I was postpartum. And I always had a little bit of a runny nose. It would go in cycles and blow my nose kind of a lot. But it was really postpartum. I would have to, I mean, I don't know, 100 times a day, I would have to blow my nose. Several times an hour, I would have to blow my nose. I would have to bring a pack of tissues into every single room because my nose was just constantly running. And I attributed this to allergies. I thought maybe there was like seasonal stuff going on and maybe there was some pollen I didn't know about. And, uh, you know, my family, we have a history of asthma and allergies and I, I had asked, have asthma or, or ha- uh, had asthma since I was little. So I thought it was something like that. And, you know, 
never occurred to me that it was something that happening or that was happening to me because of our home. Like it never really occurred to me that that would be the case. And as I was increasingly spending more time at home, my body wasn't doing well. And I was living with all of these toxins entering my system all day long. I went from feeling a little bit shitty to all of a sudden feeling really terrible, right? So it was a combination of stress, not sleeping, not having a nutritious enough diet, I think, like not having or supplementing my diet the way I really needed to postpartum. That was kind of the breaking point for me, feeling okay and being okay living in a toxic environment to all of a sudden I wasn't okay at all. And then I spent 2018 and 2019 sick, right? And if you look back at old podcast episodes, it's really like cyclical. Like I go from being really sick and then I feel fine and then I feel really sick and then I feel fine. And what would happen is I would get these flu symptoms, like I would have this runny nose constantly and it would go from just a runny nose to full blown, crazy, crazy cold, like a crazy flu that never went away. So it became like I was permanently living with a throat infection, permanently living with a sinus infection, permanently living with a headache, coughing, not able to breathe. But that was kind of my regular level of things, right? And then I would feel a little bit better or a little bit worse, but I constantly had these symptoms. And I look back at that now and it's like I woke up every single day of my life coughing with phlegm because the phlegm and the mucus, you know, accumulating in my body, which is the body trying to drain itself from toxins, right? That's why the body goes into this overproduction of mucus and phlegm and drainage. Every day I woke up like that, having to immediately blow my nose. The first thing I did, I was using this overwhelming amount of um, nose sprays and nose drips and things like that, that you're not supposed to use long-term. I was using consistently, constantly every day because I couldn't breathe to sleep otherwise. Every morning I woke up, my eyes would be crusted shut with something that I thought was allergies, right? Which was my body's reaction to the mold. But I didn't know. I had this sore throat every day of my life, sometimes just a little bit, sometimes enough that I had a hard time recording this show, you know? And I just lived like that. (laughs) I think about that now, like, man, how, how did I just accept that? And part of why I did that was not having enough space in my life to actually check in with my health. You know, I always had the next big project, the next big retreat, the next big teacher training. There was always something I had to push through to get to. There was never this infinite amount of space for me to just focus on my healing and figure out what was going on with my health. So I was doing the allopathic medicine route. I was taking antibiotics and, you know, one after the other and steroid shots and all these things that I didn't know then, but they were making everything so much worse, right? So come 2020 or end of 2019, I was completely burnt out, completely sick, feeling terrible in every way, right? And I decide 2020 is going to be my year. That's the year of me. And it was end of 2019 that the first doctor told me after I was, I was diagnosed with candida, which is this fungal growth in your stomach, who said, you know, candida doesn't just show up on its own. Usually in my experience, she said, candida is a symptom of mold, of living in a moldy environment. Are you sure you don't have some mold? Like, do you have any visible mold in your home? And I'm like, mold? And immediately I had this feeling like, well, we have all these leaks, right? We have all these places where we had leaks, but it never rains. So we never have to worry about it. But still, 
like it's happened, you know, and then I immediately went, no, 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 we, we can't, have, no, no way, no way we can have mold. We live in the driest part of the Caribbean. There's no rain here. It's not humid. It's not like Costa Rica where I lived for years where everything molded all the time, right? So I had already lived in a moldy environment, but I didn't really connect the dots until much later. So fast forward, had someone to come check out the house who said, no, we don't have any mold. 2020 came, I thought it was going to be a year of peace, a year of focusing on my health, and it became the year of the pandemic, right? And we spent every single day at home, locked in this house, right? So it was really 2020 that my symptoms went from like coming and going, cyclical, to them being constant, right? This feeling of constant illness, constantly being sick, paired with this side batch of anxiety and I think a little bout of depression too which is also another symptom of mold so when I finally figured all this shit out and I'm sharing this kind of fast version of how we got to where we are I had spent years feeling sick right having an some sort of intuition telling me that maybe something's not right with our house but then I had all these experts tell me that our house was fine and you never want to think that your house isn't fine right you don't want to go down that route because what does that mean you're going to lose your home. Like you, that's such a hard pill to swallow, literally. So it's much easier to kind of ignore that intuition telling you something is wrong and go into the space of, but, but the inspector said it's fine, right? But deep down, I always had a feeling something isn't right with this house. So 2021, after we've had, we'd had three inspectors at that time tell us everything was fine in the house, including one person who said, you should lock your doors to your house, close the windows more because it's dust that's making you sick. So we did that. And then I had the worst flare ups of my, of my life. I took matters into my own hands, got lab tests done. I'm going to explain to you all about them, how, how they're done. And we found out that not only did we have some mold, but we had the max, we hit the max on the scale. Our house was just completely toxic. So overnight we moved out and we have been displaced, if that's the correct use of the word, (laughs) ever since. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So when someone asks me, you know, is all mold bad? I, I have a little bit of mold visible. Like maybe you have a little bit of mold in your bathroom or there's some, some area of your house, you know, where you know that there's a bit of mold. Like, should I panic? Should I freak out? Should I throw all my belongings away? Like, should I move? Should I sell my house? Like, what do I do? Here's what I have to say. Stress is as bad as all the other shit that you're dealing with already. So adding a layer of stress to your life because you're going to start freaking out about something that you don't have any answers to anyway and something that maybe you're not feeling symptoms of anyway is not going to help you at all. So make sure in any way you can that you go about this situation if you have something happening in your life as calmly as you can, right? The most important thing to sit with is, are you sick? Is someone in your household sick? Is someone in your family sick? If the answer to that is no, 
everyone's fine, everyone feels good, then don't panic, don't freak out about the mold. Like if everyone is fine, no one's feeling sick, take a breath and don't panic about it, okay? There are things you can do and there are things you should do, but the thing you really should not do is stress yourself out if you're feeling fine. So if you're not sick, no one in your household is sick, don't freak out, okay? Now, if you're sick, (laughs) especially if you're sick with something that you don't know what it is, and you have just found or realized that you have mold in your house. Should you freak out? I mean, if you can avoid freaking out, don't. But I would definitely start taking measures as soon as possible. Don't wait. Don't sit on it. Pursue if this is something that's affecting you or not. Now, there's no level of mold that is good for the body, right? All mold is toxic. Um, It depends on your body, your well-being, again, how able you are to detox what you're exposed to every single day. But no mold is good for you. You, No mold should be ignored, right? So whether or not you're ill or you're you're sick or or feeling fine or feeling great, if you have visible mold in your home, start taking measures to remediate and to fix that right now, okay? And if you don't know... So in Europe, it's much harder to get these tests done. And I actually figured out, at least in my case, taking a test if you are in Europe and sending it over to a lab in the US, like via FedEx or DHL or UPS, sometimes is cheaper than going to that one really, really expensive lab that exists somewhere in Europe that I I don't know the name of because I haven't used it. What we did is called an ERMI test, E-R-M-I an ERMI test. And there are several labs in the US where you can do this test. Just Google like ERMI test plus US if you're in the US or Google home mold test and then your country if you know that there's, um, there might be a lab in your country. I don't know. There's one in South of Sweden. I know, but I would go the route of using one of the really extensive labs in the US if you have the funds and you can afford it. So what an ERMI test is, it's a swab test. Basically, you get like a little Swiffer cloth and gloves, and they're going to ask you to swipe or swab 10 parts of your home, not directly on to a moldy area if you know that there's mold, not in an area close to water, it's like not in the bathroom, not in the kitchen, but neutral, regular, everyday areas of your home. So for instance, in our case, we swabbed the, the uh, wall in our daughter's bedroom, above our daughter's bed, the little ledge of our uh, bed frame we did. We did the walls in the side of the living room, a little shelf uh, in the dining area, just any area that is a general living area, right? And the reason you're swabbing, you're not actually swabbing specifically for moldy stuff. You're swabbing for regular dust. And that's because mycotoxins attach to dust. And wherever the dust travels in your home, if there is a mold source anywhere and mycotoxins are making their way into your home through that mold source, this test will let you know. So it's kind of like, say you have some mold in your attic and you want to know, is the rest of my house okay? I can't can't afford to move or I don't want to sell. I have to wait to remediate and to fix the problem. If I keep the attic sealed, am I okay? You'll know that through this test because this test will swab for regular dust in the regular living areas of your home and it will tell you if the dust has mold spores or mycotoxins in it, right? So it's, to me really, really worth it. Especially if you live in a smaller space, it just takes one test. I mean, I think the test is like $280 or something. I mean, it's expensive, 
But if you are freaking out, if it's giving you stress, if you're ill and you're sick, maybe you've spent a lot of money on different kinds of health routes to, to heal yourself already, just to have this question answered, if you can afford it, is a really valuable thing, right? Because then you won't have to wonder anymore. If the test comes back like, oh, actually, not only do you have like a little bit of, because there's livable levels of mold, like maybe it's going to detect a tiny, tiny, tiny piece and it's fine. The test will tell you that. Maybe it's medium. It's not like, oh my God, move out right away. But it's like, you should solve this problem when you can, right? Or in our case, we got the result of max, get the hell out. This is for sure making you sick, right? So you'll just know the level of how how much mold is actually present in the living areas of my home, even if the actual mold source that you think you have is far away, right? Because it could be just like with our with our house, like not old, not all mold is visible either. And especially in, I mean, traditionally built houses where they use a lot of plywood and there's a lot of different kinds of insulation and cheaper building materials that actually isn't, that isn't really weatherproof. You know, a lot of that mold can be visible behind walls and it's hard to know, but this test will tell you. So huge peace of mind if it comes back and you have nothing, then you can go about your life, right? Amazing. If you have something, at least you know that this is something that you need to that you need to start remediating and working on, right? Whether that's a long-term plan, slowly, a little bit at a time, or if it has to be the way it was for us, which was holy shit and overnight, right? At least you'll know. So the ERMI test, E-R-M-I, is a great way to start. Um, there's other kinds of tests. There's air testing where you leave like a little tube, uh, like a little test tube in your house. It's much more uncertain. I've heard from a lot of people to not use that test, so I don't recommend it, even though it's cheaper. I I would recommend the ERMI test right away. And uh, if you have the funds and you want to, you know, put the funds into that test, you can also get a test done for different parts of the house. Right. If you're if you have an extra concern around one specific room, you can do one test for that room and one test for the rest of the house, things like that. You can figure out figure that out on your own. So that was the first thing that we did. And especially if you're living with someone, I mean, and this is the case for so many families who go through this, is that there's one person who's ill and the rest of the family isn't. Right. So in our case, it wasn't until we got the results of the test that I could even start having these conversations with Dennis. Because he was, you know, like not feeling sick. He was under the impression that this was like something crazy that was in my head or something I'd read on social media or, you know, like it was very hard for him to actually take seriously until he actually had the results of that test in his hand. And then eventually when we got to the next step, which is finding and seeing the visible mold, that's what really hammered it in for him. Before that, it was a struggle in our relationship because I was convinced that this was it and he didn't really believe me, right? So it was a really hard thing. So having that test um, taken is just helpful if you're moving through this journey with someone, okay? And then in terms of, of health, the test that we did, and here there are so many options, the test that we did, we did with a lab called Great Plains, which is a really highly esteemed lab in the US. I super recommend it. I've come across so many different kinds of doctors on this journey. Almost everyone works with the same lab, so it feels really safe and trusted. But of course, there's lots of different ones you can go about. But the one we worked with is called Great Plains, and we did something called an Envirotox test. 
They have different levels of testing. You can do a mycotox test for the body where they only screen for mycotoxins. If you know you were maybe in your past, maybe not anymore, but maybe in your past you were living in a in, in a home with visible mold and now you're really sick and no one can figure it out, right? Could be really worthwhile to have that test done. I wanted to do the Envirotox test, even though it was more expensive, because I spoke about the detox pathway thing earlier. So when you are exposed to something like mold for a really long time, and eventually the body just gets so overwhelmed, basically your body becomes so toxic that it can't continue detoxifying anymore. The detox pathways shut down. And when that happens, what what happens to the body then is you lose the ability to detox regular things out of your system the way the body did before. And when I say regular things, I mean things that aren't, you know, necessarily going to give us cancer or kill us right away that we would think of as toxic, but that are toxic for us over time, even in small amounts. Things like food additives toxins that come along with the creation and the build of furniture and things like that. Like there's toxins in so many places in the world. I mean, even like if you live in a highly trafficated area, you know, you're not breathing great air every day. You're not going to walk around thinking like, oh, I'm breathing toxic air because you're not going to feel the effects of that because your body continues to detox that for you. But if you can't detox anymore, all of a sudden those things become a real issue. For us in our family, what happened when we lost the ability to detox because of the mold, we all started accumulating glyphosate in our bodies. And glyphosate, as I'm sure you know, is the toxin that's a part of Roundup, which is the pesticide that they use in almost all the freaking farming in the U.S. We get all of our vegetables and fruits from the U.S. There's almost no organic options in Aruba. So we've been eating mostly non-organic fruits and vegetables. And I never thought of that as a massive issue, right? I thought, of course, like if we had the option to eat organic, like we would, obviously, but we don't have the option here. Should I be freaking out about something I can't control? You know, we don't have organic vegetables here. And I know non-organic isn't great, but everyone I know eats conventionally grown, you know, like regular pesticides, uh, fruits and vegetables. I will just wash them every day, right? That's what I used to do. And not even consistently, like every piece of vegetable, every fruit I would wash like crazy or leave in a vinegar or baking soda bath. I mean, there's things you can do, right? I didn't even do that because I wasn't aware of how bad that actually is when it accumulates in your system. And regular people who don't live in toxic environments don't have to worry as much, right? That's the whole point. But all of a sudden, when your body isn't detoxing anymore, all of this accumulation of small things that before I didn't have to worry about suddenly become a huge issue. So glyphosate was actually, our glyphosate um, levels in our bodies were much more concerning than the mold level. And the mold level was super concerning, but the glyphosate was worse. I mean, I had doctors who said that that Dennis is on the cancer track with the amount of glyphosate present in his body. And they know glyphosate is a known carcinogen. And I just read, I mean, this was like a few days ago, Monsanto decided to remove glyphosate from their products because they are in thousands of lawsuits from people who are suffering from cancer, living next to a farm where they use Roundup and things like that. So it's just very known thing. And that's a real issue for us, right? After having lived in this toxic environment. So the Envirotox um, lab test, it goes through everything, you know, really, really everything. Like what are the toxins present that 
are environmental toxins that you could have ingested through the air, air you breathe, through the water you drink, the water you bathe in, and the food that you eat, right? Everything that you're exposed to. So it was really, really, really helpful. And it was, of course, I know it's a massively privileged thing to be able to afford that kind of extensive testing. I feel so grateful that we were able to do that because it gave us a really specific look into like our wellness, like what's actually going on. If you don't have the funds to go for that really big test, just doing the mycotoxin one, if you have found out, I mean, if you found out that yes, you have been living with toxic mold and it's concerning, right? And if you're sick, right, then it's really worthwhile to do one of these tests. And what it is, is you just send in, uh, you send in your pee. <laughs> you send in your pee. We use something called like a medical shipment. It's something you can do through FedEx or DHL or any one of those companies where you just, you send your pee to the lab and then you get the results. And then from there, of course, the point is to have a clear enough view of what is the status of your body, right? What are you actually in need of detoxing and how are you going to go about that? And that's going to be super tailored to each person and super individual. Obviously, I am not a doctor. I'm not going to give anyone medical advice here. If you know you have mold in your house, if you are sick, I super suggest finding a functional doctor that specializes in mold illness to work with to help you on the path of, of detoxing this and, and, and finding well-being again. Um, there's tons of people who work with this online. I really recommend working with a human being, not just finding some platform and, and taking advice, right? But actually getting expert advice from someone who knows and has that experience. This is beginning to become recognized in the allopathic medicine world, but not to the extent that, you know, a regular MD is going to be able to, to help you. I think for a lot of regular, is it, can I say that regular doctors, this, the whole idea of mold, it's just really foreign and it's, it's just becoming well known now in the US and Sweden. It's like not heard of really. I mean, people, most people we know here still think we were totally crazy to, to get rid of all of our belongings. And that takes me to that question because that was something a lot of people asked, you know, if someone has given me something and it has a bit, bit of mold on it, like, uh, how do I clean it? If someone gives you something and it's moldy, don't accept it. Okay. This is like really, 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 even if you're not ill, even if, you know, everything is fine in your life, there's no reason for you to willingly introduce mold into your home environment. Like there's no reason for that. It doesn't matter, you know, the, how, how kind the other person is trying to be. Like it's, it's not going to be helpful for you, right? hundred percent not. No amount of mold is good for you. That's just the case. So if someone tries to give you something like a piece of furniture or just, just decline, right? And if you know that you have moldy belongings, like a lot of people are asking this, how do I clean my belongings that are moldy? If you have something with visible mold growing on it, uh, that, that item isn't, isn't really salvageable. Okay. And I know that's a really hard thing to swallow. I mean, you, you'll find other people tell, telling you differently. For me, I would much rather be safer than sorrier. So especially something like a furniture, unless it's something like glass or metal, which is really rare for that to be really moldy, something that's a non-porous material that you can actually remediate and wipe down and clean. But something like a wooden table, any kind of wooden furniture, um, jackets, bags, 
bags, leather goods, shoes, stuffed animals. Like if you have visible mold growing on those things, let them go. Okay. And if it's the one single most sentimental thing in your entire life, get it out of your house, put it in toxic storage and pursue a really specific avenue on how to try to remediate or clean that item as well as you can. But but you're going to run the risk of reintroducing mold into your home, right? So it depends on if that's if that's worth it for you. In terms of clothes, so there's a product called EC3 that is the least toxic mold removing product on the market. EC3, they have a bunch of different things. They have a laundry booster thing or like a washing detergent thing specifically for clothes that have either been exposed to a moldy home or like if I had a piece of clothing that was moldy I would get rid of that immediately like immediately I wouldn't even blink I wouldn't even no I wouldn't even I would ask someone else to go in with gloves and like a full hazmat suit and get rid of that thing you know I wouldn't even enter that house if there was a moldy item in that house right that's that's how far away I stay from mold. So if you have something like a piece of clothing where mold is growing, you let that shit go. Now, the thing about having had mold in your home, it means that all of your belongings in that house run the risk of being exposed to mycotoxins, which are not visible to the naked eye. They float in the air, you know, which is how they get picked up with this air me test when you swab through dust and things like that. And everything that's been exposed to mycotoxins has to be completely remediated and cleaned or thrown away, which is why even things that aren't moldy become an issue. Now, if you feel fine in your home, is this an issue? No, I'm only talking. I mean, you have to go through all of these steps, right? Like you have to be sick and ill, like really know that there's something not right with your body. Um, test positive for mold in your home. You know that there's mold in your home. Maybe you even through that test, you start investigating and you find out the source of that mold, right? That's when you start to get to that place of do I let go of belongings or not? Again, if you feel fine, you have nothing to worry about, right? I would still remediate and fix that issue of the mold wherever the mold has been present in that house. But are you going to get rid of all of your belongings because you found mold in a corner of the attic? Like, no, if you're not sick, you're not going to do any of that. Any moldy part of your house, yes, that organic material you have to take out, right? You can't scrub a corner with some bleach and then be done with it. That's not how mold remediation works. You have to actually physically get rid of the organic material that the mold is attached to, which is why sometimes to actually remediate, you know, it costs money. You need to actually do a some level of renovation and things like that. So maybe you need to find a way how to actually exist in that environment while you take care of things little bits at a time. And that's okay too. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. 
Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. So if you're living in a home and you can't leave, you can't remediate right away, like you can't fix the source of the problem right away, the most important thing that you do is that you limit your exposure to that part of your house or to your house as much as possible, right? So spending more time outside, spending less time locked inside your house and when you're present in your home, getting as much airflow into the house as possible, opening up windows, I would super recommend getting an air purifier. I mean, for sure, one in the bedroom, but if you can, getting one for the for the rest of the house as well so that you really address the air quality in your home so that you you're breathing in a minimum amount of mycotoxins every day not more than you absolutely have to and um, remembering that anything that causes humidity will worsen the situation with mold because mold grows because of humidity right so even something like an essential oil diffuser like I used to have a bunch of those around the house a humidifier I used to use for Leia's room if she had a cold or she was sniffly. Anything that produces more moisture, you're going to want to get rid of, I mean, 100%. And something that I did learn from one of the, the inspectors that came to our house, but he just he just went about it wrong, is to minimize the amount of dust that accumulates in the house. And his idea was there's a lot of dust in the house because we live on the North Shore, so there's a lot of dust from the desert coming in. Um, So we need to clean better and have more thorough, deep cleaning of areas that we don't clean as often, like the very top of the fridge and very top of high shelves and things like that. But the reason that that actually is really helpful is because, again, the mycotoxins and the mold spores attach to the little tiny pieces of dust. So the cleaner your home is, the less mold and mold spores you're going to have accumulated in different areas of your home, right? You can also do things like fogging your home and there's a lot of specific like things of remediation you can do. I'm going to share some resources in the show notes for this episode to to learn from experts around mold remediation. There's tons that you can follow on Instagram and learn from. Simply fogging your home for mold isn't going to do much because all that does it, it captures the dust and the things that are floating in the air and brings it to the ground or brings it to the surfaces of the home. So you have to do that paired with wiping your entire house down, literally, (laughs) with like a surfactant of some kind. So just fogging your house and thinking that you solved the the mold problem isn't really it. To remediate, you have to bring the mycotoxins down to the surfaces and then wipe it down with a surfactant and then wipe it down with like a mold resistant like antifungal thing and then the same goes for any belongings that are that are present in the house so if you're going to go about the road and this is a big one people ask like how do I start that process like where do I look to to remediate my home I would make sure that you find a company that really knows what they're doing I heard so many horror stories from people who worked with, you know, they chose the cheapest one they could possibly find or a local one that was around the corner or, you know, it's just some random person to do it and then had to do it again, right? Which would be just a nightmare scenario to go through this process and then only to find out it wasn't done right, but to do it with someone who really knows what they're doing so it's done the right way. And then... In terms of, you know, clothes, you wash your clothes really well. The EC3 thing we used, Borax is also really helpful to, to clean clothes thoroughly. We did 
three to four rounds of thorough washes with borax, laundry booster, and this mold fighting detergent with every piece of clothing that we owned that wasn't thick. So any like really thick sweaters or jackets and things like that we got rid of and or and lost. In terms of detoxing, so a couple of things I'll share about that. Again, I really recommend working with a doctor that knows what they're doing so you can get a custom treatment adapted for you and your specific needs because I don't know anything about you and your specific needs, right? But in general, when we detox from mold, we need to take something called a binder. And a binder, usually it's something like uh, it can be carbon-based or clay-based or charcoal-based. It's uh, something that you ingest that the toxins in your body attach to so that you then can use some sort of detox method like, you know, through pooping or through sweating, which is a really big thing when we detox from mold um, to get the toxins out of your system. So Dr. Jess, who I've been working with for a couple years, I mean, pre, she was one of the doctors that told me really early on, she was sure we had mold in our house. She has a method called kill bind sweat, where you use certain herbs to first kill the mold or the parasite, or whatever it is you're, you're detoxing from, then you bind it with a binder. I've been using a carbon-based uh, binder. And then immediately you sweat it out, which could mean like Dennis has been sweating through exercising, like really long bike rides. I have any chance I get, which isn't that often. I really wish <laughs> when we get to a more stable place, I really want to be in the sauna <laughs> every day, or at least three, four times a week so that I have more of a consistent protocol of sweating to, to get rid of toxins or to get toxins out of the body. So everyone I, I know who has been in a really comprehensive detox protocol, detoxing from mold, has been sweating consistently with the specific purpose of sweating out the toxins. So getting the lymphatic system working, you know, getting the body to start functioning the way the body needs to function again really is the most important thing. So making sure that you have a really healthy digestion, like you're going to the bathroom once or preferably twice a day. That's kind of one of the signs of the body not detoxing well enough is that we have a hard time going to the bathroom or we're not going to the bathroom often enough or like being unable to sweat. Like I have a friend who doesn't sweat and I used to think it was the coolest thing ever. Like how amazing to not sweat at all. Like how wonderful, like, you know, she's always looks so always looks so fresh, right? Even after like a yoga class or whatever. Now I know not sweating is a sign that something is not right. We need to sweat. If you're a really sweaty person, like tap yourself on the back. Like that's a great thing. And you should really encourage yourself to sweat as much as possible. I sweat way less than I normally do. And I have over the past couple of years. And even like my friend Olivia, who's a sweater <laughs> or a person who sweats easily and can just, you know, like we start running and she'll start to sweat really quickly. She'll always make fun of me and be like, look at you. You look so fine. You never, you never get drenched. And I would be like, oh, that's so great. I, you know, cause I don't sweat these huge amounts. And now that really concerns me. I used to be sweatier than I am now. And I know it is because my body isn't detoxing in that same way. So I sweat much less. And you can get all these functions back running in the body, but you have to do it very intentionally, right? In terms of my actual detox protocol, I have been working with a company called Microbe Formulas. I don't have a, an affiliate or anything or no, no collaboration or anything with them. 
And I also don't think anyone should just start any detox protocol without a doctor or someone advising you along the way, right? Which I had several doctors helping me along the way. But microbe formulas, and I've taken, I'm ending my third consistent month of a really serious protocol where I wake up, I take I take something. Um, after breakfast, I take something else. Afternoon, I take something. Before bed, I take something else. And it's a mixture of like tinctures. And I'm taking, what am I taking right now? I'm taking oxygen drops. I'm taking mimosa seed, which is a really great thing for your digestion. And then twice a day, I'm taking different kinds of binders um, to help with the detoxification. For Leia, say if in a day I've had like eight or 10 pills that I'm taking, she's had half of one. And she is starting a second round soon. Um, her first round was three weeks where she had half of a binder every day along with some supportive herbs. It's really hard to detox a child. The good thing about children is most often their detox pathways are functioning because they're so young. They haven't had enough time for things to accumulate in their system yet. But her eczema is still bad. We still go through cycles where she has these major flare-ups, especially it used to be only like the, in her inner arm, like the front of her elbow. What do you call that? <laughs> the, yeah, on her arms, it used to be really bad. And now like the past month, it's completely left her arms and transitioned over to the legs, which I don't really know what that means. Um, now her arms, she has nothing. She's totally fine, but she gets these giant flare-ups on the back of her knees and then she has a week and it's better. And then all of a sudden it's horrible and it's hard. Honestly, the hardest part about this is as a, as a parent worrying about my daughter's health, like that's the hardest part, not knowing if, is it working for her, right? Because she didn't have any other symptoms aside from her skin. And since she still gets flare-ups and it's also really hard to know, are the flare-ups a sign of the detoxification working or is it a sign that it's still bad because as you detox it's really common to get severe symptoms of the thing that made you sick in the first place right so say I mean in the beginning when I was detoxing you know I had I had all that mucus and phlegm and blowing my nose my first two weeks of <laughs> of the detox I would throw up because I had such an accumulation of phlegm in my body every morning when I woke up. I mean, it was horrible. It was like, it got so much worse than it was when I was living in the mold, right? Because the body was ridding itself of so much right away. And then I started feeling better. So it's common to feel worse before you feel better, right? And also something that I know, and this is something I'm so grateful for, is we are actually really lucky and I didn't feel that way in the beginning because I felt so ill, but I know now that there are people out there who have it so much worse and who get much worse symptoms than the symptoms I've had. And now I know, actually, I'm not that sensitive. Actually, a really sensitive person will enter a house that has presence of mold and their body will shut down, you know, and they'll get a yeah, severe symptoms for weeks that don't end, right? And it's like someone who actually has a completely depleted immune system and someone who actually is super sensitive to mold will have much worse symptoms and worse flare-ups than I have. So some changes that I recommend for everyone to make, whether you are worried about mold or you're worried about the air quality in your house, you're worried about any of these things that I have shared is number one, 
minimize the amount of humidity present in your home. There's nothing more important you can do when it comes to mitigating or making sure that you don't get mold in your house than to make sure that there's no humidity present in your house in areas where it's not supposed to be. And what does that look like? Like, for instance, before, before I knew all of this, I would take the hottest shower possible, like a long, hot shower with all the doors and windows closed and leave a cute little message on the, on the mirror for my husband. <laughs> you know, if, uh, If your entire bathroom fogs up when you're taking a shower, it's too humid. Okay, so how can you fix that? Well, you keep the door open when you shower. If you have a window, open up that window, like get as much airflow into the bathroom as you shower. If you have a shower that's leaking, you fix that leak. If there's a leak anywhere in your home, you fix those leaks. If you have like a bad shower door and there's a bunch of water spilling out into the bathroom, fix the shower door, get a better shower door. Like all those little things that feel like it doesn't make a big difference, they add up and they lead to too much humidity, which creates mold over time. So if you have small things that you can fix, fix them now before they become a problem, right? Like a little leak under a sink, you know, one drop a couple times a day, like becomes a problem with time. You can fix that now rather than wait for mold to grow. And then you have a huge issue, right? That's going to take a long time and more money and headaches and health concerns and all that stuff like fix it right away so open door open windows every single shower um, is a is a big thing here in Sweden I end every single shower with a cold shower so <laughs> I feel like that also helps that I'm not ending on the hottest level of the shower with enough airflow that I shouldn't have any fog on the mirror still showing right if there's if my mirror is fogged up the bathroom is too humid I read who was this The mold guy, he's a good resource to follow. His name's Brian. He wipes down his entire bathroom with one of those little squeaky things, like wipes down the walls, wipes down the floor, like really brings all the water drops left in the shower into the drain after every single shower. And I heard that and I'm like, this man is crazy. And then I was like, no, that makes sense. (laughs) Right? Because the grout between the tiles in your bathroom, they are a huge source for mold. You wouldn't think so, but yes. So that's something you definitely should do. Take care of any leaks, any humidity. If you have an AC, an HVAC system, any kind of like those kinds of systems, get them cleaned regularly. Like have a professional come to your house if you can afford it regularly to clean and make sure that the maintenance on those units is taken care of. Like HVAC systems are notorious for growing tons of mold inside of them, which means that you're, you and your family are just breathing moldy air all day. If you have a moldy air conditioning unit, you are breathing moldy air, right? All day, (laughs) like that sucks. So you can fix that just by maintaining those things better. For us in our bedroom, it was also the placement of the AC. It It was placed in the worst possible way. So we changed the placement, of course, changed all the ACs and all of that, but we also changed the placement of the AC, um, which was really helpful. And then air quality in the house. I am under the belief that everyone should have an air purifier in their bedroom. <laughs> now, can everyone afford an air purifier in their bedroom? No. If you can save up for one or prioritize one, if you are wanting to prioritize something or invest in something in your home, An air purifier just is the way to go. You know, whether you are, we know already indoor air is so much more polluted than outdoor air wherever you live. And especially the air that you're breathing as you sleep is so important that that air is healthy. So an air purifier is really, really helpful. And then in terms of 
<laughs> this was a like a hard wake up for us. But we would have had less of an issue with mold. Another area of our home that was super moldy was this shed that we had, which is uh, just a shed that we built in the front yard in a corner because we had so much stuff. We had accumulated so much stuff over the course of our lives. We needed a place to put it. And not just like gardening stuff and bicycles and um, maybe Christmas boxes, like things that you feel like that I thought we would put in the shed, which was like seasonal things you don't use all the time. But the shed just became this place for things to go die. You know, anytime we had th- something in the house and I'm like, I don't know, we're not using it, but maybe we need it later. It went in the shed. And guess what? The shed was moldy. So what happened is we had all of these things accumulating in the shed and basically everything we put into the shed became moldy, right? And then come Christmas, we would bring all the Christmas stuff out of the moldy shed, bring it into the house and mix all that fresh mold into the house, right? So if you have a storage unit, a corner, a basement, an attic, like some part of your house where there isn't fresh air, where there isn't fresh energy, right? Where where things are stagnant, that's where mold tends to accumulate the most. So the back of closets that you never go to. Like think of that one part of your house where there just isn't movement, like things are not shifted. There's not enough air being breathed. (laughs) Breathed? Breathed? (laughs) Being breathed? What's the past tense of breathe? (laughs) There's not enough air that you're breathing into that place, okay? Does that make sense? And a really great solution to that is to get rid of some stuff right? To make sure you're not accumulating stuff that you don't need. The more stuff you have, the more stuff is going to be collecting dust. And if you have mold somewhere in your house, the harder it's going to be to deal with the dust in your home if you have a bunch of stuff. So mitigate and get rid of as much stuff as you can. Keep what you need, right? Another thing that I really recommend is to go into the household items like in your home that tend to harbor mold that you don't really think about. And examples of this is, and I'm sorry, and you're welcome, is your washing machine, your dryer, and your dishwasher. Okay, any of these things where, especially the dishwasher and the water and the washing machine, where there's water being run through the machines all the time. Same goes for your coffee machine, like your coffee maker, your like tea boiler, like if you have a, one of those electric kettles. Anything water is being run through to power a machine or to to work a machine probably is accumulating mold in the back or inside of it, right? And then there are certain things that are just notorious for mold, like a like a Keurig, that's what you call it, a cure. One of those coffee things where you put a little pot in, notorious for mold. <laughs> and espresso machines and things like that, like me and Dennis now, we have this habit of every day um, we clean the machine, which we never used to do. We would just like make coffee and make coffee. And then when it became dirty, like it accumulated a lot of leftover espresso water on the bottom then we would clean it now it's like we clean the machine every day if we leave the house Dennis takes the whole machine apart and puts it upside down so it's left to completely dry like it's good to let those machines dry out completely once in a while so they're not just sitting in water all the time right if you have a front loading washing machine and this sucks it sucked to do (laughs) I do this in every Airbnb we get to the front loaders, which is basically the only thing people use in Sweden. I've never seen a top loading washing machine in Sweden. They're always front loading. The front loaders, they have this little like silicone, like rubber insert in the beginning where the where the lid closes. That tends to be full of mold. 
So what you can do is get one of those EC3 or um, even start with a surfactant with, uh, with like a di- dishwashing liquid as a first step and then go to the fungal, antifungal thing you can buy, like an EC3. You can get that on Amazon or wherever you shop stuff. Like it, it's, it's the least toxic one. Just put a rag through that rubber insert, you know, and clean that really thoroughly and see what comes out. It's, um, it's, it's sketchy. Okay. If you have a top loading machine, there is a little filter thing in the middle, center middle that you can pick up that you've never picked up. <laughs> I mean, trust me, I don't, I don't, th- these are things like you don't want to know that you're supposed to clean these things because then you realize you've had a washing machine for like 15 years and you never clean, no one ever cleaned it, right? It's disgusting. But once you know about it, you can clean it and you can keep it clean. Right, those things that used to, that normally just, it's like a mold central. There's a filter in your dishwasher that you're supposed to clean something like every month. No one tells you this. There should be like a little manual when you move out of your parents' house and you start living on your own, where you just, like, this is stuff we need to know, you know. You're supposed to clean the filter in the dishwasher all the time. And I never knew that. So just cleaning those machines really well is a really helpful thing. And if you're ever Airbnb hopping or using a random um, washing machine or anything like that, like I suggest cleaning them out before you put your clothes in there too. Okay, those are just some some tips I that I hope are helpful to you. And now I want to touch on something um, that's really important. Someone says, how do you feel okay living your life knowing mold is everywhere? once you've been exposed to mold. Now, I'm not recording this episode because I want everyone listening to this show to freak out about the possibility of mold in your home. No, there are some simple things you can do, like the things I just shared, to make sure that you don't get to a place where mold grows in the first place, right? Not every single home has mold. A lot of homes have a little bit of mold and you're fine, right? You're not feeling anything. You're not sick. Then don't worry about this stuff at all. A big part of this is how are how am I ever going to feel okay living in any house ever again? Like I'm probably going to have a little bit of PTSD from toxic mold exposure for the rest of my life. Like I am going to be that annoying person that has different a different set of demands or maybe that makes us move out of an Airbnb if it doesn't feel good or like I'm I'm going to be that person probably. I don't want to be the person who lets that fear take over and ruin her life, right? But I also don't want to be the person who just lets something negatively impact my health and the health of my family because I'm too scared to say something, right? I feel like there's a balance there in the in-between. And I would never in a million years, like if we re-rented an Airbnb and there was visible mold in there, I would, I would be out of there in 30 seconds, I would never spend a night in a, in a in a vacation rental or a home or a friend's home or something that is visibly moldy. Like, no. And yes, there's going to be situations where we find mold in our homes and we can't move out right away, right? We just cannot do that. Then we do the best we can with what we have. But if you're vacationing somewhere and that's like a luxury thing you're adding to your life, and you have the option to not go to a moldy place, then don't do that. Like I would change that hotel room, change the booking, go back home. Like don't expose yourself to a moldy environment unless you absolutely have to, 
right? And know that there are steps that you can take to minimize that exposure. And if you're renting and you have visible mold in your home, it is up to the either the homeowners association or the renter, the person renting you the home to make sure that that home is a safe environment. So address it right away. Like take every step that you can right away to have that remediated and fixed. Okay. The worst thing we can do is to just live in a moldy environment, feel sick, and then not do anything about it at all. There are steps that we can take. And yeah, do I wish that (laughs) five years ago I'd figured this out? Sure. But I'm also trusting that I was able to figure this out this year for a reason. And part of this maybe is to share some of our journey to help other people and other families and also for people to know that there is a way out right like a couple months ago I thought I was gonna I was gonna feel like shit for the rest of my life I thought it was gonna be years of feeling horrible before I felt better as soon as I got out of the moldy environment like after the initial two weeks of the really heavy detox I started feeling better and now I feel good I do am I thriving do I feel amazing no do I still have symptoms and things? Yes. I mean, I'm, and I'm still in a heavy, heavy detox. I have a month and a half left of that. And there are things that I want to do that I haven't started. I'm also doing, I'm doing more stuff I didn't share. I, I'm, this podcast is getting too long now, but I'm doing colonics. I'm taking different sets of herbs. We are taking supplements for minerals and vitamins, the entire family, fulvic minerals. I mean, I'm doing a lot. I'm not going to go into every single detail now, but supplementing your diet, making sure that all of your nutritional needs are covered, regardless of what kind of diet you have, okay, is a really important thing. Because if you are living in a toxic environment or you're worried about maybe living in a toxic environment, you need to make sure that you're as supported as you possibly can be, right? So bolster yourself, give yourself extra of the good things. And yeah, try to avoid some of the bad things if you can, you know. Like I'm thinking about middle of lockdown when we were in the height of the corona panic. I mean, Dennis and I, we were on the couch drinking old fashions for like two months straight. (laughs) And I can look back at that time as like, it almost feels a little nostalgic now. We spent so much time together. We were indoor. We were on that damn couch. We were making old fashions. And like, did those old fashions help my health and my well-being? No. Okay. There are certain things we can do for our routines and our habits that are helpful and certain things that is going to make a hard situation harder for our health, right? So make sure you're getting enough exercise. Make sure you're spending tons of time outside, spend time barefoot, ground your body to the earth, talk to a therapist or a friend, like the emotional and energetic component to this is massive, stress is going to be as bad as the mold. So not just addressing the things that relate to the mold, but addressing the things that make you feel supported as well, right? So talk to someone, make sure you're not alone, do the things that help you feel good in your day-to-day life and take one step at a time, right? You can't do more than what you can do, right? You're not superhuman. You're not God. You can only do what you can do. There's only so much you can control. So one step at a time. I hope I have answered (laughs) enough of your questions. I hope this was helpful. I really, really do. I'm going to leave some resources in the show notes for some people to follow online, 
some health centers, um, remediators and companies and kind of people to follow and learn from some functional medicine doctors that are really great coaches. I mean, there's a lot of resources out there, books to read, podcasts to listen to, to, listen to, um, to help you get a little more grounding in the situation. And the more you learn, the more tools you'll have to actually act. I hope your home feels healthy. I hope your body feels good. If it's not, or if you're not, that you feel that you have at least a couple more tools with you from listening to this show. Thank you so much for being here. Have a beautiful rest of the week. And um, I'll be back next week for a non-moldy episode of the show. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And a huge thank you to all of my sponsors. Make sure you support them the way they support this podcast. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. And if you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, you rate, and you review and follow all the episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you normally get your podcasts. I'll see you next week.